This is Train to Perform, the undisputed alpha podcast in training, fitness, and sports performance. Here, you'll develop your skills with the cold, hard facts in fitness, sports performance, recovery, and nutrition. Real, tried and true, evidence-based facts that have been proven to move you faster, move you stronger, and move you forward. Now, here's your host of Train to Perform, Julian Sisman. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Train to Perform podcast with your host, Julian Sisman. Today, we have Aiden Curran. Uh, He is the guy behind 90 Minute Fitness on Instagram. Um, we, uh, it's a great episode. We talk about, um, you know, his journey as a soccer player coming from Europe, um, going through the culture change of, uh, American college soccer. Um, and then, uh, in addition to that, going back to Europe and, you know, playing again and, you know, getting back into the different flow of soccer. Um, he is also, like I mentioned before, the man behind 90 Minute Fitness, which is a Instagram account that talks a lot a bit about soccer fitness, which is, um, you know, where I found him and um, wanted to talk about why he, um, you know, started doing what he was doing. Um, and, you know, it has probably helped thousands of kids because um, it's some great content that can be, uh, you know, seen on uh, his Instagram feed. So check out this episode. Uh, it's pretty, pretty uh, informative, helpful. Um, this can be honestly listened to by coaches um, athletes or soccer players mostly and, um, parents, um, this can be really helpful into, um, you know, understanding the, um, you know, not only the fitness and soccer, but also the, you know, difference, how it is here and how it is in Europe. So get a kind of a different perspective. So hope you guys enjoy again, please, after listening, Please rate and review. I really appreciate it. Um, and also, please share the um, podcast. Thank you, and uh, have a great day. Just kind of give me a little bit of background. You know where you came from. You know, um, you know how you got into soccer, and you know you're playing. I know you've played in the United States. I know you played in in Scotland. So you know, kind of tell me a little bit about yourself, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, of course. So just started uh, playing soccer when I was young, about seven, eight years old. I uh, just played for youth teams around Ireland where I grew up. Um, pretty much just spent my time playing there until I was uh, 18 or 19, um, at which point I went to college in Ireland um, to UCD. So it was quite a good um, soccer college. So it's probably the best in, in Ireland. They're always kind of at the top. What's that stand of. for? Uh, so it's University College Dublin. So it's in. Okay. So I moved from Washford to uh, Dublin. So it's about two, two and a half hours away. Um, so yeah, just for me, that was kind of the next step forward. Um, in Washford, there weren't too many opportunities to progress. So I was kind of always overlooked um, just at, at a younger age, um, probably down to myself as well. I just wasn't kind of developed enough at the time. 
but I knew that I kind of had to get out of that area if I was to to progress in the game. So that's when I moved there, and that was kind of a, a turning point for me as such. Mm-hmm. And then just from from there, I spent uh, three years studying there. I studied history and uh, social computing, um, but really it was only for the, the soccer that I went there. Um, I was always academically minded and I always wanted to pursue that, but really um, it was guided by, by football, soccer. So it was kind of wherever soccer took me. And then I just combined the academics with that. Um, so then after three years there, um, made my way across uh, to the US just on a soccer scholarship. It was always something that I wanted to do. Um, and at the age of 22, I did kind of find that I was at a point where I was mature enough to go. I think a lot of players go when they're 17 or 18. But I think at that point, um, due to me having injuries as well at the time, I had two uh, hip surgeries. Um, I think I just wasn't in a position to, to go at that time. Um, but when I got to the age of 22, um, physically, mentally, um, everything, I was just ready to, to make the move at that point. So talking about soccer, tell me about your experience with youth soccer in in Scotland. And, um, and then yeah, yeah, go go ahead. Yeah, so is this uh so in Ireland just when I was growing up? Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so yeah. um yeah, so I mean it was for me I was living in the country, so it was very few opportunities okay. um, it was mainly you had to live in the city if you were to kind of get the chance to play at a representative level um, so for me it was always just kind of playing with local teams um, you know the managers weren't the coaches they weren't certified they weren't anything they were basically just parents um, so it was kind of difficult to, to obviously progress if you weren't from the city so that was always a, a bit of a barrier to, to my development but at the end of the day, you have to take responsibility for yourself. And I knew what I wanted to do. So it was just a case working where you are with what you have. And that was really, really for me. Overall, the standard of youth uh, soccer in the country is very, very good. Um, but really, it's just in Dublin that that is kind of the bigger cities in the country. Um, that's where most kind of national team players at underage level, that's where they come from. If you're from um, the more rural areas, it can be a little bit more difficult to break in. You'll often find that players travel um, an hour and an hour and a half just to play with uh, a better team. So it's there. There's the opportunities. You, there is the opportunities to play. You'll always find a team to play for. But whether the standard of coaching is there is probably questionable, especially at my age when I was growing up. It's much different now. It's much more uh, formal. Uh, coaches are certified um, and things like that. But uh, when I was growing up, it was certainly much different. So. Um do a lot of, I mean, are there any notable pros or national team players that have come from like the, the suburbs of Ireland or of Dublin? Or is it, like you said, like most of them have come from like the central part of Dublin? Yeah, so there, there's quite a few. I think in recent times, definitely. Um, there was probably from my area, there was one, uh, John O'Shea, he played for yeah, Manchester United. Really? Yeah. Um, he was from my area, so 20 minutes away. Um, he mm. would have been the most uh, kind of um, famous person to come from there to play the game. Um, but really, he was an exception. Uh, like I said, mostly from Dublin. In the past, it has changed in recent times, which is uh, good. Um, another player as well, Derek Williams. He's actually just signed for LA Galaxy from uh, Blackburn. So he's played in England. Um, he was the same age group as me growing up. 
but always was always so much better than everyone else. He ended up going to Aston Villa and okay. then just spent some time in the championship in League One and he's just after signing for LA Galaxy now. So um so yeah, no, there is players, but it just it is a little bit more difficult depending on where you're from. Yeah. So you come to the US and at twenty two, um and remind me where you went to university again? Uh, so it was the University of Finley in Ohio is a D2 school. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I feel like there a lot of D2 schools in, in the U.S. take a lot of um, pl- players from abroad. More than, more like NAIA and then you have like D2 and then, because I think they still give scholarship, correct? Uh, that's correct. Yeah, I think yeah, with D2, yeah, so. it's just more down to, it's a big adjustment to come to college in the US. So I think if you have a player who goes into a big D1 school, it can often be an adjustment. So you'll find that even uh, players from abroad, even if they're really, really good, they'll still kind of go to a D2 level. Um, the only exception to that would be if you're competing at national team level. So if you're representing yeah. the Ireland, Scotland, uh, England, then you'll find that you'll go to kind of a D1 level. But for the most part, it's a D2 or an NA due to the, the age uh, on the yeah. age as well so that's awesome so how was your experience at Finley and and and, and tell me where that is I, I it's funny that you you it's in Ohio right that's correct yeah yeah so I played at Ohio State so it's I, I have no idea like I know like where some of the universities are but yeah. like I have no idea where <laughs> yeah so from um, obviously yourself living in Columbus it's just uh, pretty much just north so you just go up okay. the way it's about oh it's about an hour and a half I think from Columbus um, so we used to go there sometimes just to, to visit and things yeah, uh, but, yeah. but yeah so it's about an hour and a half uh, from Columbus so it's up near Akron it sounds like yeah, so a little bit away from Akron again. It's kind of the best way to describe it is between Columbus and Cleveland. Cleveland? So it's okay, about okay. from Toledo as well. Um, okay. It's just down from there as well. So it's kind of in the middle of nowhere, really. But um, but I had a great time there. <laughs> so how was it? Like, how was your experience with soccer there? I mean, you know, you, you're you're coming from a country where, where a, a, an area where like soccer is like crazy, you know, uh, and then you come to the US where it's like especially in in Ohio where football American football is like like they don't care about anything else but American football so like you know tell me how your experience was there it's, I'm I'm just kind of curious cuz um you know everyone that comes to the US from overseas like it's a totally different experience on you know what they see the players the level um granted you might have been with more f- you know, players from overseas versus American just because of it being D2. Um, so yeah, tell me about how that was. Yeah, it was a huge adjustment um, coming from from Ireland, especially living in Dublin as well. I was living just outside the city. So you had that kind of um, hustle and bustle of the city as such. So then to move to a small little town in Ohio was, mm-hmm. was quite an adjustment. Um, I was quite fortunate when I went in that I went in with uh, four uh, English players so we all lived together and there was a German guy and a couple of Bulgarians as well. So it was very fortunate that we all started yeah. at the same time because um, it would have been a different experience if I was the only uh, international there. I think it would have been much different because we were all kind of as lost as each other, had no idea how, how anything worked.
much. So that really, really helped at the time. Um, but from a from a soccer's perspective, it was definitely a change because the minute you land here, it's all basketball, American football, hockey, um, all your American sports. So it's a huge adjustment coming from if you simply turn on the TV in Europe, it's just soccer that's all mm-hmm. is on so it's a huge adjustment but for me I have to say that it was just um, I was just so happy to be into full-time training so in the college system of course you just go to a full-time setup so for me I don't think I thought too much about kind of the soccer culture as such I was just so happy to be actually training full-time and to kind of feel as if you're in that full-time environment um, so for me that was uh, an, an easy transition um, in that in that perspective but it was very difficult because again I'm I'm used to training Tuesday Thursday Saturday uh, in Ireland so to go from from that to actually training full time uh, in the US uh, with two games a week as well obviously the college season is quite condensed two games a, a week but that's that's another story but um, <laughs> I was just about to ask you about that what, what do you what do you think about that one yeah, it's like in, I suppose, in an ideal world, it would be a long season, so nine, ten months like they have everywhere else. But I think in reality, because depending on the location, um, it can be quite difficult um, because you can't train outdoors and when mm-hmm. there's snow. So mm-hmm. it really depends on, on where the college is. So I don't mm-hmm. think it would be feasible to go to to a nine, ten month season. Um, it would be more beneficial for players, but I, I think just in, in terms I mean, of the, the logistics of it. I mean, it could, um, it's just one of those things where, you know, you would have a cutoff, say like November, uh, like Thanksgiving weekend, like Thanksgiving week, then you have sort of a transition period. So, you know, you don't do any games until maybe like, I mean, it really depends. I mean, the weather's weird these days, so you could do it, um, you know, starting late, late January, early February. I mean, there, you know, it's, it's, it's in the talks, uh, before the, before COVID was happening, uh, before COVID, you know, kind of interrupted things that were going on. Um, um, because a lot of, um, of college coaches, uh, even like big time college coaches, um, especially the university of Maryland's coach is a big advocate for it. Um, want it to be that way because they feel that and I agree with them that it prepares the players a little bit better you don't have these you know condensed seasons where you know you're throwing in you know 15 16 sometimes you know depending on how how deep you go into the NCAA uh you know like a season where like you know you don't have a lot of break it's like game and you might have like a week break every once in a while, but like game, you know, Friday, Saturday, then, you know, you have a game like Tuesday, Thursday. It's like, it's crazy. It was, it was crazy. Uh, when I was playing at Ohio state, it was like that way. And that's why a lot of these D one schools have so many players on the roster. Yeah, absolutely. Because again, that comes down to injuries and you being in the, mm-hmm. in the fitness world as well. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just not, it's not great if you're, if you're playing two games a week and in the college system as well, in terms of recovery, um, there's not that kind of equipment and attention that professional teams have. Because obviously in the Premier League, English Premier League, they have two games a week, but they have top level recovery methods. Whereas in college, you're you're going home and as a recovery, you're probably eating pizza on, on the bus back and, and that's how it is. So it's like you said, it just comes down to injuries as well and it can be a huge yeah. problem. I mean, I mean, it's changed. Uh, it's definitely changed um, since I was playing. I mean, I was playing in like t- 2008. 2009 
Um, I think the, uh, that those thoughts, so recovery, nutrition, all that kind of stuff, uh, has changed a lot. Um, you know, like we're, we're talking like having like post-workout nutrition, like immediately ready for you. The minute you finish like a workout and the minute you finish a training set, like it was never like that. Um, I think it has transitioned in the past like four or five years because, um, you know, I'm a part of like NSCA and they, uh, so I run like the soccer I'm like the soccer sig i don't know if you if you know about that if you don't like oh we can I'm talk about familiar, it yeah. um yeah it's actually good for you um it will help it will be really beneficial for you um but anyways i'm part of nsca going to a lot of these conferences you start to learn about like what's going on at the college level because like a lot of the people that go to these conferences are in the college scene so you start to talk to like different people and you start to learn like nutrition has become like a like totally revamped like we're talking like, like the mini finish, as I was saying, you have workout protein, snacks, things ready for you. That was never like that when I was there. It was like, you eat, you work out, you got to go to like the dining hall. You might catch like the dining hall still open. Like it was crazy. And, and I think like some things, something happened and I think they've totally, you know, changed their attitude about like all that kind of stuff. But you're right. I mean, it's, it's crazy. So um, so yeah, I mean, it's interesting, uh, where you go from like, you know, two or three sessions a week to like five days, maybe one or two games. It's, it's, uh, it's a lot. Yeah. It's a huge change. And I think for me, I was quite, I had quite a few injuries when I went there first, um, just because you're not used to the demands of it. And like, I was really fit going in, in mm -hmm. terms of fitness tests and whatnot. But mm -hmm. I think there's a difference between actually playing and, and the pressure that puts on your joints and, and things. So I was, um, I suffered quite a few uh, injuries in my first season. Um, so that was, that did hold me back a little bit, but um, you just have to deal with it and you have to deal with the, you know, just the, the intense schedule and um, you condition yourself to do it. And for me, I always try to take those extra, um, extra little things like in terms of nutrition and recovery um, just so that I would be right for for the next day or for the next game um, so I think you can only get away with it so so long and I think especially in the college system if you're 18, 19, 20 um, you can get away with not recovering uh, for a little while but eventually um, as the years go by it does catch up on you and you do need to do a little bit more even for me now at the age of 27 obviously I'm still kind of involved in playing um, most of my stuff now is recovery rather than kind of training for performance a lot of it is just actually recovering so that I can go properly at the next training session so it changes as you go along in the years but I think at that college level um, it's great to hear that obviously there's more emphasis been put on recovery and nutrition because it's so so important important um so it is great to hear that that's kind of been been looked at as a priority just instead of actually just you know pounding people into the ground mm -hmm. with work and running and lifting um because in the long term that can be quite detrimental yeah where are you how uh, what are you doing now that you're still involved in playing so I was so just before COVID hit, I did sign uh, just semi professionally in the in the UK with a club. So it was going quite well at the time, and then COVID hit, and and all the games stopped. Um, so I have like since I left the US, I played in Germany um, at semi professional level as well, um, a little bit in Latvia, then back in Ireland as well. So um, I've kind of 
you know, obviously that's still a big part of my life and it's still something that I'm trying to pursue. Um, so it's just now I'm back in the US. It's just uh, I have a couple of injuries that I need to tidy up. But as soon as that's done, I kind of will be kind of actively looking to uh, continue where I left off in the UK, really. So, all right. So you finished, how many years were you at Finley? So I was two seasons. So I actually went as a, a master's student. So I did okay. my MBA there. So it was only two seasons uh, in total. And then, and then what happened after that? Where'd you, what would you do? So after that, so I finished that season in November and then I signed a contract to play in Germany uh, for that January. Um, so I left uh, the US at that point um, and then went to Germany just to try there. So I'd had a trial previously uh, before I went to the US. I had a trial with a professional team there, which, uh, which went quite well. I didn't get offered anything, but just gave me a taste of uh, what, what could be there. So how would, you, how would you compare that now that you're talking about it? How would you mm-hmm. compare that to... What you saw at the college level here to what uh, you know you went back to over there. It's it's so it's so funny because um, a lot of people do ask compare the levels and it's so difficult to do because there's so many different aspects to it. Because for example, in the US, I think just in the college system, so the D two level that I was at, sometimes you don't have the um, kind of uh, soccer IQ. Um, as such it's a very physical game the physical attributes are there but sometimes um that kind of tactical awareness isn't there whereas when i went to especially when i went to germany um the players were just so technically good and these are all part-time players as well but they were just so technically good and they just had that natural technique and then of course with their soccer iq as well they were just able to think that a little bit faster um just execute simple kind of one touch two touch play just that bit faster um so it was kind of very similar in levels as such, but in different ways. Um, mm-hmm. I always think if you combine the two, so if you had the the if the players in Germany at that level had the physical attributes of the college players D two, they'd be absolutely unbelievable, and vice versa as well. So if the college players, if they had developed that soccer IQ and had that um, ability, that technical ability, and also the tactical awareness, um, if you combine the two, they'd be they'd be absolutely fantastic. Yeah. That's that's the that's the downfall for a lot of American soccer players. I mean, I don't really care if I say it here first, but the tech the technical ability to you know handle the ball and you know those kind of things, you know it, it's it's not it's it, that I think that's one of the biggest like uh, things that um, holds a lot of the American kids back from you know you know playing in Europe. I mean, there are some kids that, you know, do the extra work, but a lot of the kids don't. So they focus mainly on that physical standpoint. Yes, the physical standpoint is necessary. The, you know, fitness, getting strong, all that stuff is great because, you know, it protects your body from, you know, the demands of the game. I, I, I totally understand it. I, that's what I do. But I feel that even at a young level, like there's so much emphasis on things that are just irrelevant versus like mastering the ball and understanding how to handle it. Um, that it just gets like a lot of coaches just like don't know how to do it for one. And so when they, you know, continue to develop, yeah, they have a good first touch. Yeah. They have like a good, uh, handle with the ball, but like their ability to like beat players, like you probably see in Germany, like one-on-one beating players, it's not it's not high quality here it's it, it's it's just so bad yeah no i have to agree because i think it's again it's a thing of 
even with the coaching, it's all very, um, how would you say, there's not much room for the players to make decisions. Um, and that's the big thing as you go up in the levels. It's, it's pulling players in situations that they have to make decisions. So I think the best example of it is, and, and I spoke about it before, I'm just on a podcast, but I was with a player in uh, Latvia when I was on trial there and he was an American guy. And he'd never actually, so I asked him what team he played for and he didn't actually even play for a team. He just had a private coach and in my mind, that just blew my mind completely. Um, so I'm all for private coaching and, and individual coaching. You do need mm-hmm. that to supplement mm-hmm. uh, team training. But for him, mm-hmm. he was he just had an individual coach, didn't actually play uh, for a team. And that's something I think within America is you need, to, you need to prioritize actually playing for a team and being in that team environment been put in unpredictable situations where you actually have to make decisions and for him he was excellent on ball mastery and all that sort of thing but when it came down to actually making decisions even tactically he just ran around obviously giving 100% effort which was which was excellent but just not making the right decisions at the right times and that just comes from exposure to actually being put into those situations and been forced to make those decisions in, in a split second. And that's what you mm-hmm. get from team training. And it's something that needs to be, I think, emphasized more within the American game, definitely. Yeah. So you're in Germany. And um, so this was like right after college. And so how, how long, how, like, were you just bouncing around different teams or were you on a team for, you know, a substantial amount of time? Uh, so I was very fortunate to actually sign the contract before I went there. So when I was actually still in America, I signed the contract with them. Um, so I knew kind of what team I was going to play for at the time, um, which was good. But I think it was, I suppose I went into it a little bit uh, blindly, um, expecting more than what it was. Um, so it was part-time, but even at the part-time level, you're still training three nights a week with a game. Um, when I went there, it was during... They have uh, quite a long off season, so they do like a mini preseason around just after Christmas. Um, so that was during that time that I went there, and you were training like five, six days a week, even at the part time level, which is really, really good. And it was good; it's good for development. But I think for me, I expected to do too much too soon. So I kind of expected to go to this team and then push on to to a higher team within a few months. But I think in hindsight, if I'd actually even stopped, I stayed at that team for maybe three, four months before I went back to Ireland. Um, If I'd actually stayed at that team, even for a season or two, I think I would have learned so much and developed so much more. And that just comes down to patience. And I think for me at the time, I just didn't have it. I think coming from the college system, sometimes it can give you that kind of inflated ego such that you're better than you are because oh I played D2 college soccer I played full time but at the end of the day the level isn't when when you go to Europe it's not it's totally different it's totally different and you need to have that patience when you go there I suppose for me if I could go back in time I would just kind of stay at that level and learn more and kind of learn more about the game but I just hadn't, it, for various reasons, it didn't work out. I was in a small German town as well. Um, had nobody around, didn't know anyone, um, struggled with the language. It was winter time as well. So there was so many different things, but I kind of in hindsight, I wish I'd persevered. But everything happens for a reason and that led me on to different opportunities in the UK and whatnot. So, um, but yeah, definitely it's a, it's a big adjustment. Yeah. So, um so how long, how long did you, so like after you finished college, how long did you continue to play? And then, you know, uh, at like the, at a high level or has it kind of like, I mean, I'm assuming you, 
you left here, you left there initially when you were 22. So it's probably like 24 when you left. So I guess all this that's going on right now is like in the past, like three years, right? Sounds yeah. Like so about, about three or four years, um, all a lot's been happening. Um, like I still kept playing and things like that. Um, but just, I focused on actually improving as a player rather than just having on your CV that you played for such a team. And I found that kind of accelerated my development actually when I just focused on improving rather than worrying about the external factors of actually signing for a team and, and things. So like with, with every day that passes, I like to think that I'm improving and, and that's all you can do. Um, you can just improve every day and, mm-hmm. you know, you can't worry about those outside, outside factors in terms location things like that you can just kind of do the best what you have at the time and that's kind of mentality that I had since I left Germany I suppose a big wake-up call for me when I left there three four years ago and from then on I just decided I just wanted to improve and I just wanted to get to the highest level that I can um, and just kind of like I said keep improving uh, each day so so what what were the things that you felt like as a as a player playing at you know a decent level that you need to improve on cuz like clearly this is this is leading to you where you are right now um you know you have this instagram uh uh channel or account where you where you have a decent amount of following so i'm assuming what you you found out there has led to somewhat of where you are right now with that account and where, what you're doing with it and how, you know, you're helping whoever you, you help, um, as, you know, as a, you know, fitness coach, if you, if that's what you call it, like, do you have like certifications in fitness? So when I came back to Ireland after Germany, I I am a qualified personal trainer, fitness instructor, Um, not any formal college education, but obviously I have, I have those uh, certificates and a few coaching uh, certificates as well and things like that. But, um, but yeah, just, I suppose the, the, how I got started with that is I just wanted to, create content for players out there. So for example, if if a player on a particular day wanted to do an upper body workout, for example, just that they had someplace to go to actually get uh, just a, a simplified workout. Because I think a lot of the time and, and prior to even probably two, three years ago, I think a lot of the pages were very complex and they were done from a sports science background. And there was a lot of complex material for players to work through and a lot of it wasn't um, soccer specific as well. So I just wanted someplace very simple, just that they could go get a workout if they needed to. So lower body, upper body, whatever it might be, and just actually simplify it. Because I just like to always think that if, if I had that when I was younger... Um, just something simple like that, where you get simple workouts, all specific to soccer. Um, it would have made a big, uh, big difference. And again, I just want to try and make a difference because obviously I made mistakes as I was growing up in terms of my training and things like that. Because uh, when I when I left the US, I was just far too big. I put on far too much muscle. Um, too much lifting in the gym, uh, too top heavy, which is a com- it's a common thing in America. Obviously, it's just to lift as as big as you can, and sometimes that's not always the best uh, for soccer players. And and I think that did hinder me, um, which I've which I've rectified now, and I'm a different player now, and I physically I'm much different now. But I think back then I was very more focused on body composition 
and it wasn't directly relatable to the game and it kind of led to a lot of injuries it became very rigid um, so yeah I think I just wanted to avo- help players avoid uh, the same mistakes that I made because when I started in the gym uh, it was all you know bodybuilding.com that's what you went to oh I want to get an upper body workout and you put it into Google and that's all that comes up and it's not always you know directly relatable to the game it's not always what's going to help you and I think sometimes as well like you said, in America, there's a big emphasis put on the physicality of players. But sometimes you can get to that point where, you know, you just pack on a little bit too much muscle and it's going to be detrimental to your game. So again, I had that wake up moment um, where I was playing against a very fast winger and, you know, he didn't have much muscle, but he was just outpacing me every single time. And that made me wake up to, well, I've just wasted my time doing bicep curls. Like, what was the point of doing bicep curls if I can't keep up with this guy? So it just really made me reevaluate my training and how I was kind of uh, operating day to day in terms of my recovery and, and the time that I was putting into certain things and just to actually focus on what would actually improve me on the pitch. Yeah, I mean... Uh, I definitely think what you what you have going there is great, uh, especially some of the like different little uh, fitness things that are broken down to pretty pretty simple graphics to follow. Um, I think that's great. Uh, I mean, I've used. I'll be honest with you, I've used some. <laughs> oh, thanks, no, it's but, good, uh, good to hear. Good to hear. Uh, so uh, you know, it's it's great. You know, and I and I totally agree with you. Um, uh, it's, um, you know, I, I, uh, I, I would say that like when I was, when I was in university too, uh, it was a very similar, um, you know, when I was at Ohio state, it was very similar into what you're saying about, you know, all the, all the, all the focus is on like, you know, let's get big, powerful, which is, which is fine. But, you know, the more and more I get into like every year, like the more and more I get into this, the more and more I'm all about like, you know, let me find ways to like make these soccer players, like, you know, get as much out of them as I can with the least amount of possibility of injury Um, in the gym. And then like, if they go out and play, that weekend or whatever, um, you know, they're not, they're going to be able to recover. It's not going to be like a crazy detriment to their uh, central nervous system and they're not going to be able to recover. And, you know, two days from now they're going to play horribly. So I, I try to, every time I program, it's a very, it's a lot of like, it's a lot of like, I have a plan. And I was like talking to my, the, the trainers that work with me, I, it's like, I have the plan, but sometimes I'm like, on the fly, I got to switch it because, you know, if a kid comes in here and he's tired or whatever, he he just wants to get a quick lift in and and then go home. Like, we're going to do that. I'm not going to make him do like sprint work and, you know, power and like all that kind of stuff. So, um, I agree with you. It's, I think, um, we just got to be a little bit more, um, thoughtful on, you know, uh, the way each kid or each person that we work with is um, because everybody's different. I mean, we can't just uh, sit here and say like, Oh, this worked for me. So like, it's going to work for you. And, you know, I think that's one of the big, bigger problems with a lot of colleges 
is unless you're like a D one, have a ton of money and you have a lot of, a lot of, you know, uh, things to work with, you know, you're going to have a lot of these other universities where there's not a lot of work with. So you got to like build those relationships with those kids versus like having, you know, all these monitoring systems and able to like, you know, use that to like program, you know, weeks or months worth of worth of stuff. Yeah, I couldn't agree more because I think it's so hard to, um, in terms of kind of the, the periodization for soccer, mm-hmm. it's so difficult because uh, we'll take a professional player in the US, their season's nine, 10 months, and it can be so hard because I think in American football, for example, you have a really long off season. So it's easier to plan because they don't have that interference of games mm-hmm. and how they feel after games or day to day during training. So it's easier to program for that. But I think with soccer, it, it will change from week to week or day to day. And you do, like you said, you do need to make those adjustments depending on how the player is feeling, if they, how many minutes they've played or, and things like that. So it does need to be flexible in that sense. Obviously, you need to keep those core movements and, um, of course, like compound movements, things like that. You need to have that kind of set base of strength. But I think in terms of actually pushing the player during season, it can be quite difficult. It is something um, that people need to be aware of. And it's, uh, like you said, it's about improving the player enough, but not absolutely killing them to the point where it's going to be detrimental to their performance on the pitch because you just want to give them enough stimulation that they'll make improvements, Mm -hmm. but not to the point where they can't train for three, four days because of Mm -hmm. the the soreness. So it's a, it's a, it's a fine balance between it really. Yeah. It's um, so, so now that you, you know, build this, uh, you know, account or, you know, late brand, you know, what, what's like, like, who do you work with? Uh, you know, what's your goal with it? It's it something that, you know, um, you know, you just want to keep building, like, uh, what's like, what do you, what are you looking, what are you looking to do? Cause I know you still want to play. So it's like, you know, you, you know, they always say like, you got to put your energy into, you know, everything that you want and, you know, focus on that. So, but I know you still want to play. So, um, I'm sure that also could, you know, play a role in where you take it as well. Yeah, definitely. Because I think it was it was always I just wanted to have it because it's a great thing to have in addition to playing. Um, and that was kind of my main ambition for it. Was when I started, I I actually worked for three years in banking. Um, once I finished, um, so I was doing this on the side. I was playing, uh, building ninety minutes fitness and um, and working as well full time. So it was just like balancing all that was was quite difficult at the time. But it's paid off now where I'm in a position to to focus on on playing as such and seeking out that next opportunity, but also building uh, 90 minutes fitness and being able to commit full time to that. Um, so just my, my aim for it is just to try and impact as many players as possible. I used to just work one-on-one um, online with players when I was doing it part-time, but now I had different things uh, in the pipeline, obviously being being back in the US, my wife's American, so being back in the US, um, looking to get into in-person uh, coaching as well because there's a big market for it here um, and also continue with the online coaching, but also have set group programs as well um, of maybe kind of eight to 10 players in, in a group kind of six-week program, uh, which they do, um, which, which kind of all gym base as such with uh with some conditioning work as well so things like that but mainly for me it's just about putting that content out there basically for the last two and a half years i've done it 
I do it all for free. I've I've never received anything for it. Um, so now I just want to turn it into more of a, a feasible business as such and, and expand it to the point where you can reach more people um, and ultimately just make an impact on more because that was that was the main goal for it when I started. Like I said, I, you put content out there, free content, and you're not getting anything in return, but it's always worthwhile when when you get those messages saying that it helped or it helped in tryouts and things like that. So that's that's what makes it worthwhile. Um, but at the end of the day, you do have to make a living and and, and that's kind of what, what I'm what I'm trying to do at the moment. Um, like I said, just being back in the US, just trying to get all the all the behind the scenes work done for it and uh, then we'll be good to go for the summer then. So are you planning on going back to UK anytime soon or is it something that you you're going to stay stick around here for a few more months like yeah, so I'm I'm pretty much here for three years um, at least. Uh, so with uh, with the complexity of the US green card and whatnot, it's uh, you do have to make quite a, quite a commitment uh, to it. So I will be here for for quite a while, so three years minimum. Um, and uh, yeah, that's that, that's me, and that's what I'm looking to do. And obviously, continue playing over here and build a business and and just give it everything. Um, and then yeah, just the US probably long term. That's that's all. All I'm kind of looking for the moment um just building everything and just taking things day by day and, and see where it takes me really what what um what type of coaching badges do you do you have in do you have uh so it was just with the so i did them in college so it was just the, the ussf ones um so oh, okay. all, yeah so basically i just did it during college at the time um but obviously i'm looking which one to, do you have so at the time it was the it's like the F1 and then the 11 v 11 so basically just entitles you to work with eight roles pretty much yeah, um, yeah. so then took a break from that obviously as I went into the banking world so um, but yeah just now I'm back and I have the time definitely looking to expand on that both from kind of soccer perspective and the um, you know fitness fitness as well just looking to constantly kind of just expand my knowledge and uh, just try and try and you know just become as knowledgeable as possible um, and then and then pass that along really so when it comes to uh, your you know your ideas like where are you just coming are you coming up with these based on you know experience or are you coming up with are you using not like you know some sort of gain knowledge from somewhere that is you know providing you these ideas on you know the different type of fitness um runs and conditioning sessions that you create like um you know you said you had your a certification is it something from here or is it something from uk uh, so that would have been just from it's a so it's a European um, certification. Um, just uh, so that would be from there. But like you said, with the the ideas and things like that, obviously that gave me the groundwork. But like yourself, as I'm sure you know, when you're interested in something, you just find yourself constantly researching. And and that for me, as I was trying to take my own training to the next level, I just found that obviously you're gaining more knowledge without even realizing it. So it just comes from various places. I have an idea and then I'll just kind of research um, like different methods and things like that just based on, on what I want. It's it's quite challenging, of course, to come up with content sometimes. And especially now I'm trying to just even push more out there and it does take up a lot of kind of creativity and things like that. But unfortunately, I always um, come, upon, come upon ideas. So um, long may that continue just for the purposes of it. But at times it can be difficult to come up with ideas, but I just try and 
think of kind of simple uh, problems that players might have and then just try and solve those problems. And I think um, that kind of keeps me on the on the right path, really. Yeah, that's that's good. Yeah, I mean, that's that's you know that's the best way to do it is sort of solve. Um, you know, the kids that you, that are, that you'd potentially work with, like, you know, especially with a lot of soccer players, uh, uh everything and, and, you know, here in the U S it's like fitness, 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 like you gotta be fit. You gotta, the conditioning, um, you know, that's, it's all about that. Um, it, which is great. Like, don't get me wrong, like being fit and being able to, you know, play 90 minutes is, is important. But I think one of the other issues on the other side of it is you have all these kids that want to be fit, but they don't also play in like how long it takes to recover from that like high level of sprinting, of conditioning, of all these runs that are, are, can like put a lot of like strain on not only um, not only on your like joints and all that kind of stuff, but just like your, your, your nervous system, which is like what you're, you're kind of training. Um, so it's, it's interesting cause you know, we, we, we hear, you know, I hear all the time, um, in my area, which is a very, I mean, you're not far from where I am. Um, you're probably like three hours away. Um, you know, we hear all the time, like these coaches, these soccer coaches that are putting kids through fitness, like every session, like every, every like practice session. And like, I, I, I did two sessions for this high school co- team that I'm coaching where it was like fitness, because like, that's all I, like all I could do. But like, once we, once we were clear to like play, I haven't done any fitness yet because one, I got kids that are like going to practice. And then going to another practice because they're playing club at the same time. Normally high school in this area is not now it's because of COVID and they moved it. Um, so like right there, like two sessions, like within an hour, hour and a half of each other, it's like, there's, I'm not going to do like there's coaches that do that though. And it's, and it's, and they don't get it. And it's so, and and it's so annoying because all they're doing is like compounding like days of just training and training and training. And then Saturday and Sunday come around, they got two, three games. And then like the coach will, won't give them Monday off. And so they'll just keep going. And next thing you know, the kid has like, you know, overuse injury or, you know, I have, I've had kids now. I've had two players um, have like some spinal issues. Well, wow. so it, and, and that's from overuse. That's just, mm-hmm. it's just too much load on probably the hips, which is like, you know, from, or the, le- some lower body issue, which is, you know, the lower body can't take it. Where's the next place is going to go into, it's going to just keep going up the chain. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, you know, it's one of those things where there's another reason why I kind of got into, you know, very similar to the situation as you, it's like, I was trying to play pro, you know, I was trying, what, what do I got to do to get better? What do I got to do to get more fit? What do I got to do to, you know, be better? Um, you know, I worked hours. I did fitness. I would work, you know, hour and a half, two hours. Like, I'll do fitness and then I would do ball work. Like, just 
you know, mastering the ball like every single day. Um, and then, you know, over time, like, you know, injuries happen and this and that. And that's what I try to tell a lot of these kids now. It's like, yo, I've been through this probably the same as you. Like, I'm trying to tell you what to do. Like, this is how you're going to, you're going to save your body so that when you play, which is the most important thing, it's not about like practice. It's about playing that you're going to play at a high level. Cause if you can't recover and play at that high level, it's not going to work. Exactly. Because I think it's, um, like you said, it's, it's all about when you actually play games and that's what mm-hmm. makes the difference. And I think even for me, that was something I didn't realize at the time. I think when I was younger, I did, it's, it's, it's not so much working too hard, but it's working too hard at the wrong thing, I suppose. Um, so I used to put in so many hours in the gym, but how, how important that was, I don't know, just doing the wrong things. And like you said, it does lead to problems down the line. And it's interesting that you said there's so many younger players now presenting with spinal injuries, um, which that's like, it is quite worrying to see that, especially in young people as well. And then that comes down to obviously how, how society has changed as well. Down to people that are just more, more st- like they're sitting more, hip flexors mm-hmm. are tightening, the glutes aren't, aren't working how they should be, um, things like that. And that has a huge impact when they go, when they go out and train. Um, and then that can lead to injuries as well. And, and like you said, excessive load at a young age as well. It's just a massive, massive problem. And it will lead to hip injuries down the line, as, as I can testify to definitely. Um, and like you said, it just needs to be managed and, and younger players do need to manage their load. And it's not all about working as hard as possible and feeling just that soreness day after day. It's just about wor- working with with someone who knows what they're doing as such and not being afraid to, to speak to different people because everyone has different views. I mean, I have different views to you, you have different views to me, we'll have different views to the next person and there's nothing nothing right or wrong. It's just, I mean, that's how things constantly evolve and, you know, we can only kind of, I suppose, do 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 what is right by the player and that's the most important thing and and once they're improving once their body is in good condition and like you said whatever goals they have it's just about getting them to, to the next to their goals and, and that's the most important thing yeah and um you talk about load um it's interesting i did a, a podcast with um he's really big in uh, youth athletic development uh man what's his name um oh my god anyways so we were talking about we're talking about load and the like you know we 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 think of like in 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 general general speaking load we only think of it as like during that training session um but he gave me a thought and i and i and i think about it all the time now it's like but we don't think about the load like the compounding load of a kid that is comes to soccer practice and then he might go to like baseball practice and then he might go to like the next day, do the same thing over, over time. And so it's not just like, you know, Oh, he's, uh, you know, playing soccer and doing a different sport. You know what I mean? Like there, there's just because, it's a different sport doesn't mean it doesn't count. You know what I mean? And like, you have all these, you have all these parents, you know, there's, there's this, you know, multi-sport athletes. Yes, that's great. We want multi-sport athletes. It helps build, you know, different movement skills, different, um, you know, all the things that they need to be a better athlete, but that doesn't mean (laughs) go and play like two or three sports in the same season 
we're we're referring to let's focus on one. You know, the off season comes around, you go play a totally different sport. Then the next then next maybe in the spring you do some different and then fall comes around, you know, whatever. But it's but I, I never really like thought about that. I'm like, yeah, damn, that's that's you're 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 not you're not giving yourself these these kids are not giving themselves breaks. And I think again, it comes down to culture. I'm sure it's a very different in Europe. You know, the culture here is like, I want to be better than the next guy, and then the next guy, and then the next guy. Um, so I'm gonna do everything in the book, you know, to be better versus like let me ma- let me be a master at this and get better at this. Um, cause that if I focus on this and get master, then I'll be better than everybody else. Um, or, you know, have an off season. So your body can recover and, and play different sports as your off season, not at a high level at a rec level, who cares? Like there's, there's, it's not like you care about that sport. Just have fun with it. Yeah. Everyone's just looking for that instant gratification. Really. They just yeah. want to get there and get there as quick as possible. But you have to obviously, like you said, master something. And that's so important, whether that be in the gym or on the pitch or whatever it might be in life. But you have to be prepared to be patient and to work out and take the steps. And in the long run, it will pay off. And mm-hmm. um, like you said, but I think everyone now is just looking for that kind of instant improvement and that one little trick that will make an instant difference to your game. And, and there's just mm-hmm. nothing. It doesn't doesn't yeah. exist. It's, it's, you know, hard work consistently done over time and doing the right things over time, instilling the right habits over time and, and that's what make a difference in the long run do you um i mean obviously you're not going back there now but like when you were back there when you were back in uh ireland like recently you know with i mean it's obviously a little different because covid let's say like before covid you know what did you see like i mean i know the culture in in in, in europe is it's, it's all about soccer but do you see other kids doing different sports or is it just kind of not really like something that is is sort of talked about or done or um, I, It's definitely not as prevalent as it is in the US. I think there's a big multi-sport culture in the US because of perhaps the different seasons that you have and the different mm-hmm. sports that are done in different seasons. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely in Europe, it's more of a, it's pretty much soccer is all there is. Um, in mm-hmm. Ireland, you have, there is national sports as well, which which coincide with, with soccer and a lot of people have to choose between those two. But apart from that, when I was in the UK, it's just soccer and that's all you have which is, I mean, there is benefits to multi-sport athletes and and definitely I wouldn't discourage uh, anyone from it. But I think in terms of developing soccer players, if you're immersed in that from a young age and that's all you're, you know, they're playing, even at a young age, you're playing for nine, 10 months out of the year and it's consistent soccer two, three times a week, all focused towards it. Of course, you're going to make that bit more progress than you are if you're, um, like I said, you're not going to get better at soccer swinging a bat. So that comes down to if you're a soccer player playing baseball, yeah. it's you're not going to get better at, at soccer doing yeah. that. So um, I suppose that immersion in it from a young age does help. And I suppose that's why, um, you know, traditionally, I suppose you're, you're seen as as better than in the US when it comes to development for younger players. But that being said, the US is getting there. And I think from an underage level, I think there's a lot of progress been made, um, but it's still, still getting there and hopefully it will, will get there in the future and, and keep improving. When uh, in, 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 um, in Ireland or, you know, wherever else that you've been, 
with the youth, like, do you see uh, the the practices, you know, how it is here? Or if I, I, I probably should explain, like, you know, four, three, four times a week, or is it, you know, two to three times a week with games on the weekend at that young? I mean, I don't know what 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 level, you know, if I, if I say a level here or age, it'd be like between eight and like 13. And then it sort of changes after 13. Um, is that, is it, do you see it similar or is it like totally different? It's similar in ways. Um, I think depending on if you, so say in Europe, if you go into a professional academy at a young age, that's kind of a different situation. And, and obviously that's a different level of player, but for the average player who's playing maybe with their, their local team as such, they just train twice a week with a game at the weekends. But again, that's consistent throughout the year. So that's done nine, 10 months out of the year. Whereas in the US, it's more of a, a seasonal thing. Um, and of course, I know with academy teams in the US and things, they do train you know, three and four times a week and whatnot. Um, but again, it, it's different. And I think it comes down to that immersion in the culture and the training methods and things like that. Because again, it just comes down to, and it's a very, very simple example. But for me here, I notice when you're driving around the neighborhoods, it's always basketball hoops that you see outside every home. Whereas in Europe, it's always a soccer goal that you'll see. So although these players might be training twice a week, uh, every day they're playing and and that you know that's from a young age as well before school after school um so uh, you know and that's what it comes down to that's a, such a simple difference but it's a difference that makes a difference um because like here basketball hoops in, in Europe it's soccer goals and and like I said soccer is on the rise in the US but it's going to take a while before it gets to that cultural level um that it is in in Europe yeah yeah, man, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's, it's fun talking to somebody from the, you know, Europe because, um, you know, every, everybody gives a little different perspective. Um, but it's all, it all comes down to the culture, you know, it, it really does. Uh, um, you know, as, as, as much as we want it to be a, a really, really popular sport here, it's, <laughs> I mean, I look, I've been here, I'm 33 years old and, you know, I was, a, I was what, um, like almost 10. No, I was eight when the MLS started. So like, it's a very, it's, you know, it's, it's only, you know, what, it's only like 20 some years old. So it's still young. Um, you know, yes, we had like a bunch of other, you know, pro leagues here, but you know, this is probably lasted the longest. And, uh, so, you know, it's, it's growing. I think it's, I think they, they made a good move by taking all the academies under their ropes, under their, you know, under the MLS versus it being associated with us soccer. Um, because then the MLS has a little bit more control of what goes on, which I think is better because then it's, uh, you know, it's like, it's like Europe, like they have control of their academy players. And I think that's how it should be. Not, you know, the federation of the country. Um, so I think that would be helpful. Um, and, you know, um, it's growing, but it's, there's still a lot of work, 
that needs to be done, especially like you were saying before, this, a lot of these, uh, these kids need a, a ton. I mean, hours of technical work, like they need to keep focusing on being strong and fast and all that, that, which is great. But, you know, at the end of the day, like you play against a Spanish team or, uh, they even here, a Latino team here, they might not be fit. I mean, they might not be, uh, you know, the fastest, the strongest, but those guys can ping it. They can dribble. They can, you know, do all the things that you're going to do and they'll beat you. I mean, it's, that's just like their culture too. So, you know. Yeah, it's just different uh, values too. I think in the US, the, the physical aspect is valued higher than the technical aspect. Um, so I remember just in college when we used to be analyzing other other teams that we'd be playing and the coach would ask like what we thought of this player and, and like all the American guys would be, well, he's not that fast or he is fast. Or like, uh, it's just, there, there's more to it than speed, you know? Like there's yeah. nothing, oh, he can ping a pass accurately from 50 yards. So we'll have to like watch out for, for that ball over the top or yeah. whatever. But it was all about like, oh, he's, he's, he's tall or he's fast or he's strong. And there was nothing about that technical ability, um, which is so important because at the end of the day, yeah. it's, it's playing soccer and the ability mm-hmm. to, to ping a ball accurately is an, or play one touch, two touch, directional touches. So, so important. And it does, mm-hmm. it makes such a difference at the top level. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 you, and what's funny is, uh, is the amount of, of um like foreigners or people from outside the u.s that are in the mls like uh i'm not saying that there are not just you know like american guys not playing but you see all these big time designated players that are getting all this money um and they're not from here <laughs> yeah so, no, that's, that's, that, that's i mean it's, it's kind of a clue like okay like what are they doing that we're not so like it I mean, it's, I think that's one of that, like, like I said, like, it's a, it's a big issue here. Um, you know, we want it to be fun. We wanted, to, we want these kids to, you know, not sit in their house all day. And, and that's the other thing. Like you, you play that game of, of like, we want our kids to have fun, like, but then you have a lot of kids that are serious about it. So it's, it's like, you're, you're juggling a lot of different things with a lot of these parents, a lot of the kids. Um, so, you know, you got one parent that's like, the kid says one thing about, hey, I'm serious about soccer. And then they just like, all right, well, we're going to do everything you can to get better, you know, like off of one comment. Um, so it's, it's interesting. Yeah, it's so much pressure, I think, as well as yeah. the pressure with scholarships and college scholarships. And um, sometimes you just need to to let them play and just like mm-hmm. let them let them be their age. And just because that's, that's where the most improvements come from as well. You can be put into this um, very regimented environment and controlled environment. But at the end of the day, it's, the most improvement comes from actually being out there, just expressing yourself and kind of enjoying, obviously, what you're doing. Because like mm-hmm. at that young age, you shouldn't be worried about, you know, like professionalism or anything like that because it's a totally different world and, and that'll come in, in time but that age you just need to enjoy it and just enjoy yeah. what you're doing really yeah no I totally agree alright man well appreciate you hopping on this call with me um, you know again uh, it's, you know I like getting perspectives from you know people that come from obviously different country like yourself but also kind of navigated into the you know the fitness uh, strength conditioning from a different perspective um, because you know you kind of you create like an art 
with your, you know, uh, with your Instagram and, but you also apply the science, which is good as well. So it's, it's, it's good to, you know, know, uh, that, uh, you know, there's resources out there like that. So it's, it's, it's cool. Um, so, you know, let people know, you know, where they can find you and, you know, listen to, I know you have a podcast, so, um, you know, let them listen to that. Yeah, of course. So it's, yeah, just Instagram is just at 90 minutes fitness. If you search 90 minutes fitness, it'll come up. Um, all the links are from there. Um, podcast is on Spotify, iTunes, all, all, all the major platforms. So if you just search 90 minutes fitness, um and you'll you'll find um all the links to, to everything there um but i just want to thanks for having me on as well it's been great to come on just hear your perspective as well um mm-hmm. so i know in previous podcasts you you've kind of given your views on on the the way soccer is in, in the us and things and i think the more conversations that people can have about that the more improvements that i can make and obviously make a difference to younger players out there so now you're putting out great great content and uh, just to, to keep it up in the future and keep putting it out Awesome. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Thanks for listening to Train to Perform with Julian Sisman. Learn how you can work with Julian in a personal training session, either online or in person at prepareforperformance.com. And follow on social media for more tips on training, fitness, and sports performance on Twitter at jsisman_pfp underscore PFP and Instagram at prepareforperformance.